from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to get fact-checked. Access granted. What is up, good people of Florida? Welcome back to another episode of Fact Check. You have got your favorite MC, Jared Grigas, and we're a little lonelier in the studio today. We are missing Miss Courtney Mooney, uh, but I got Amir Warren Come with on. me here to hold here it down. We are. Here we are. Uh, so we are going to get after it. Uh, Courtney is, you know, running the Disney Half Marathon this weekend. So everybody wish her luck. Uh, she's a bit of a masochist, but you know that's just that fact spirit. We're, we're going to get after it. She's doing the 10K it. and the half marathon. She's doing the 10K and the half marathon. No. Yeah, she's a maniac. But uh, like I said, that's that that's that fact spirit for you. You know, we're. Uh, Ruin for from a distance. You we, know? Yeah, we're with her in spirit. Uh, big week at the Capitol this week. Uh, we were down to 14 days on the signy die clock. Assuming they finish on time, I don't see any reason why that would not be the case as of this point. Uh, but a lot of bills kind of moving in and out at this point. We're getting a better picture of you know what's going to pass, what's going to die. Uh, but you know they're always in for some surprises. Starting with you know our Goliath of this session, that is the term limits package uh, by Senator Ingolia. And you know this has been just the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, although this one might be trending in the right direction, uh, I do not want to you know count my chickens before they come home to roost. Uh, but this one got temporarily postponed in the Rules Committee for the second time this week. Uh, after you know, we, we went up there and had a handful of our commissioners, including former FAC President Ralph Thomas, uh, who put on a little show for everybody, uh, and a member of the committee temporarily postponed the bill. It will be back up on Monday at 2 p.m., uh, potentially getting a new look at an amendment dropped as of today. And again, I, I don't want to... Um, get too cocky here, uh, but the amendment is kind of the, the vision we've been pushing for this the entire time, which is that every county will go to referendum um, and decide for themselves if term limits are the right choice for their community. So more specifically, this would apply to every non-charter county and every charter county who does not impose term limits as it stands right now, uh, as well as every charter county that imposes term limits above the threshold stipulated in the bill. That's eight years. Uh, so those that are at 12 years would still go to referendum. Those that are already at eight years, you know, why why fix what isn't broken? No need to go to referendum on that one. Um, but you know, like I said, this this is sort of the the fact vision. Uh, so we'll we'll be keeping a close eye on this one and, and hoping you know we can get this one across the finish line. Uh, with that being said, I will kick it over to my boy Amir uh, to update us on the tax package on both sides. Yeah, no. So this week we saw both the Senate and the House drop their respective tax packages, and um, the highlight here is so our Senate tax package comes out to a ninety-seven point eight million dollar revenue reduction for local governments with 51.8 million dollars reoccurring after that fiscal 24-25 year whereas our house tax package comes in at our, that same ballpark number of 97.1 million dollar revenue reduction for local governments for our fiscal 24 and 25 year but it has a lot smaller reoccurring uh, number with 4.5 million the reason of this we do see some more provisions packed in our senate bill in comparison to our house bill Thank you, Amir. Keep in mind that neither of these bills is a finished product, not even close. Both of these are going to kind of disappear into the void once budget conference starts, uh, and a lot of that negotiation back and forth between the two chambers is going to kind of happen behind the curtain. Uh, so, you know, we're kind of keeping our ears open exactly. uh, for any intel we can hear, but unfortunately these do not go through kind of your more traditional committee process uh, where there's a lot of public input. A lot of this happens kind of in the shadows. 
and yeah and if you want more information on the tax package breakdown we'll have a link of it on our legible for this week as well great plug always check out legible always check out bill tracker moving right along uh, another bill that we have seen a lot of this session is house bill 433 by representative esposito uh this is the rare preemption trifecta <laughs> uh we've got three preemptions and one bill the first preemption prohibits local governments through their uh procurement procedures uh from seeking to control the wages or benefits of the vendors within this process. Keep in mind, this preemption has been misrepresented a handful of times in committee. This is not to say that vendors that do not meet the standards uh, for a certain prevailing wage or certain benefit threshold, they are not automatically excluded from bidding on a project. What it actually means is that those that do meet that wage or benefit threshold would receive a certain amount of credit or points toward you know the evaluation factor. Think of like a grading rubric in school. Uh, they would receive a, a little bit of extra points. Uh, and so it's, so it's more of a separator. It's more of a tiebreaker than it is you know, outright eliminating people from bidding on these projects. So just something I wanted to keep in mind. Uh, that preemption is alive and well. The second preemption in the bill got an amendment this week. This was on the terms and conditions of employment, obviously very broad umbrella there. Uh, and something we were worried about initially was that it was preempting uh, internal county practices. You know, I've hit this one before, obviously, as has Courtney. Um, but we were worried that, you know, our internal employee procedures, whether that's leave, you know, maternity mm -hmm. leave, scheduling all this stuff this bill as it was written it would apply to those things we wanted to make sure that you know not that any preemption is good but you know we wanted to make sure that it was not applying to internal county practices and we were going to have to be calling dms every day you know to uh, sort this stuff out um the amendment itself provides that a county still may uh adopt and enforce an ordinance providing internal employment benefits for employees of that county or that local government. We do not believe this amendment goes far enough. I don't want to say we're playing with house money here, um, but no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> the Senate has already scrapped both of these preemptions uh, that I've talked about. The Senate version only has the third preemption in the trio. That is a, a preemption on the regulation of heat exposure in the workplace. Uh, the House bill does have that, uh, but it does have those two problematic earlier preemptions as well. Uh, and so we're, we're really hoping to kind of ride out the Senate. Uh, we, we don't see that one as nearly being as offensive. Mm. Um, and, and so while this amendment was, you know, progress, we do not believe it goes nearly far enough in, in kind of fixing the problems that we are seeing with this language as it stands. Shifting gears, I'm going to throw it back over to you, Amir. Uh, we have got a bill dealing with uh, a very specific county, uh, Monroe mm -hmm. County, yep. is is getting a, uh, a little bit more authority that they've been asking for. Uh, so what's going on there? Yeah, no, so on Tuesday, Senate Finance and Tax Committee passed SB 1456 by Senator Rodriguez, unanimously, uh, mind you. The bill specifically addresses, like Jared was saying, the Florida Keys, Key West area, critical state concerns, so Monroe County as a whole. Um, the bill allows Monroe County to utilize surplus funds from its tourist development tax and its tourist impact tax for affordable housing purposes. Um, uses of these funds are capped at $35 million, um, subject to approval by their board of county commissions and one of the uh, nuances in there is to make sure the housing must be accessible for employees of private sector business related businesses and remain affordable for a minimum of 99 years 
that's one more tool in the tool belt for these guys. You exactly. know, obviously tourism is a huge part of of their community and and getting their workforce. Uh, you know, the, the housing they need uh, is is a crucial step, I think. And being keeping able that. to tap into this like reservoir of money to do so um, to address these problems is a huge thing for them. So, yeah, no, we're looking forward to seeing this bill continue its move through its process. Um, it does have a House companion bill in the form of HB 1297 sponsored by Rep Mooney and that has passed its committees of reference and awaits scheduling on the floor. Thanks Samir. I am going to circle back to, uh, we're, we're back to wages uh, within the procurement process, specifically in public works projects. Uh, Senate Bill 742 by Senator Grawl passed the, uh, the Senate Rules Committee this week. Uh, now just to recap, under current law, a public works project uh, includes construction projects that are funded in part or in whole by state appropriated funds, what this bill is doing is adding the words local or uh, to that threshold. So if there's any local funds involved, it counts as a public works project and the preemption that is in current statute on all public works projects would apply to county funded projects. That is a problem obviously as it pertains to wage rates, benefits, uh, staffing, scheduling, uh, recruiting from certain um, apprenticeship programs, all that stuff would now be preempted uh, under this public works preemption umbrella. The House bill by Rep. Schoaf uh, has been waiting to be heard on the floor, but it did. Uh, we did see an amendment uh, filed this week uh, that would carve out geographic preferences from that preemption um, in the specific event of a sole source funded project. So if a project is only funded with county dollars, we would be able to practice geographic preferences. We would be able to say, we want contractors coming in from our county, keeping those dollars within our economy, you know, our local economy. Uh, so obviously, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And that matches up with the Senate bill now, uh, but obviously a pretty large preemption looms uh, in this bill still. Amir, uh, kicking it back over to you. We got one last bill for you to talk about. Uh, what is going on with sovereign immunity? I know that one has been uh, tricky the last couple of days. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we heard SB 472, suits against the government, or as we've been calling it, sovereign immunity, was heard on Thursday in the Senate Appropriation Committee, and it passed unanimously. Um, to recap on this bill, um, it raises the maximum amount for one person claims from 200000 to 400000 and it also raises the incident claims from 300000 to 600000 um, And again, we thought we saw the last of this bill because the House version uh, has been stuck in its last committee and hasn't been heard yet, but uh, out comes the Senate bill. For yeah, yeah, week, you know, this, so. this bill was looking like it was kind of stagnating yeah. in, in its final House committee, um, but it, it's kind of living to find another day in the Senate, and, you know, assuming it passes... Uh, off the Senate floor, you know, the ball will be back in the House's court if they want to take that up. Yeah, no, yeah. Looking at it, like the House bill has been stuck in judiciary since the Valentine's Day. So, you know. And ending on a high note today, uh, we, we have got a, a bill dealing with MPOs, uh, specifically kind of reforming the metropolitan planning organization structures across the state. Uh, and an amendment kind of neutralized some problematic language in the House bill that we were seeing. Uh, so, what the pair of bills do, this is House Bill 7. 49 and Senate Bill 1032. Uh, those sponsors are Rhett McFarland and Senator Gruders. What these bills would do is they would implement a quality assessment program of sorts where they are grading MPOs on their performance in a, in a you know wide variety of metrics here. And then the lowest performing MPOs would be essentially 
taken over mm -hmm. uh, by the Secretary of Transportation. Um, an amendment on the House bill this week, uh, House Bill 7049 again, um, removes that provision. Uh, it keeps the language dealing with, you know, that quality performance score. So obviously these MPOs will be subject to some accountability still, um, but they're not going to be taken over um, by by the state. Uh, so that, that one's trending in the right direction, and we just wanted to keep you guys updated on that one. Uh, with that being said, I think that does it for bills this week. Yeah. Uh, one last plug, please check out Legible. But besides that, I think we are coming Coming to an end of session, uh, you know, a lot of moving parts still, uh, so stay with us, uh, and we will keep you guys in the loop, obviously. Amir, you got any housekeeping for the week? Not on this side, not on this side. I, I think we're in good shape. Uh, as Davin always says, you know, we are in the arena, that's a Teddy Roosevelt quote, um, and, and so, you know, we'll be out on the front lines for you guys. Um, please stay with us. Good luck to Courtney this weekend, and everyone have a good weekend. Bye, everybody. I'll take care.